I don't know why it is, but uh, when a choir sings their first song, I can't wait for them to get done with that first song where I can get up and preach. But then time I get to the last song, I wish they'd sing another one. But it's good to see you here today. Appreciate so much you being here, uh, being a part of our service. Uh, uh, got a new one here that's never been. Nathan, you still got your little girl there? You still got her? You want you want to stand up and introduce her to us? She's never been. All right. Tim wanted to do that, but uh, they wouldn't let him. But anyhow, it's good to uh, be back in the house of the Lord and. I realize that uh, Pastor Scotty will be back here in uh, another week or two, and um, another week, I believe it is. He'll be back with us, and what a, what a joy it will be when he gets back. Uh, I think when he gets back, I'm going to take off. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, if you've been with us, you know that I've been preaching a series of messages uh, now that I'm on my way home. This is the third in the series of messages uh, uh, that I'm preaching. I preached a message on now that I'm saved, uh, hell is before me, uh, or behind me. Uh, and uh, now that I'm a servant, hard work is before me. Uh, and this morning, uh, I want us to look at uh, the thought of now that I'm suffering, uh, heartaches burden me. Uh, Someone has said you preach to the suffering and you'll always have an audience because everybody somewhere is going through suffering. Couldn't help but notice this morning in, before our Sunday school, we take prayer requests uh, and uh, not many uh, praises comes out of the time of uh, uh, getting prayer requests, but most of the time it's by it's about people that are going through suffering, trials, or whatever it is uh, in their life. Um, majority of the time, people are suffering. There's never been a time in suffering like we are today. And it's all because of that first family back there in the beginning. A man by the name of Adam... And a woman that God gave unto him, whom later on was known as Eve. If you read and study the scriptures, she was never called Eve in the Garden of Eden. And that was somewhere probably around a hundred years uh, that they were there in the garden. And she was never called Eve. He will always refer to her as woman. My help me. And so, uh, had they not been disobedient, then we would not have the problems that we have. Uh, and one of these days, our hope as believers is, one day there'll be no more suffering. Revelation 21, 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, uh, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Um, for those who go through this life, and they never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in, the, in, in the free pardon of sin, there is no hope. Um, and the Bible says there in Revelations 20 and 15, 
And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this morning, I want to give us some reasons why we as Christians go through a time of suffering. Why is it that we have this, that, and the other? Why is it that we're having the aches and the pains and we're going to the doctor? Why is that found in the Word of God? And I'm going to give you some things. You can jot them down and maybe it'll help you somewhere along life's way. First of all, there is depravity. Depravity. We have the sin of a natural flesh. Everybody here has natural flesh. I think one of the most misunderstood teachings in the, the Word of God, and that is when a person gets saved, their flesh somehow or another gets saved. But the flesh doesn't get saved, and you'll have problems with that flesh as long as you live. But somewhere deep within us, uh, we would like to think that when God saves our soul, uh, that He does something to the flesh to make it a little bit better. But you put this flesh that we have uh, in a certain circumstances, uh, and you'll see Adam come out. Uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. Uh, you'll find out Adam will come back out in you uh, and you either say something, think something, or do something that natural flesh will do in your life. Flesh will not improve. And the Garden of Eden gives us evidence of that. If you remember there, it said that after that man sinned in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3 and 19, it says, In the sweat of thy face... Shall thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground? For out of it, for out of the ground were you taken, and dust you are, and dust shalt thou return. And we know that. We, we understand what God is saying to us here in the Word of God. So since then, all who have ever, all who have ever lived have suffered in some form in the flesh. I remember as a young man, I had no problem, I had no aches, I had no pains, but as time has taken its toll, it seems like I've got more doctor's appointments than I have anything else. I mean, every week it seemed like you need to go to the doctor. So there's disease, there's sickness, and then it follows every generation. I realize that you that are younger here, maybe you're not going through any trials or tribulations right now, but you stay around a little bit, and I'll guarantee you, you'll go through some trials and tribulations. The only problem is, since I am saved, I have someone that helps me in my times of sufferings and the trials that I go through. And I'm reminded in the Word of God where God says to His Son, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, but I'll go with you even unto the end. So when I go into the doctor's office, or whether I'm going through trials or whatever it is, I know that I have a very present help in time of need in my struggles. 
Not only is it because of the flesh and by depravity, uh, but there's another reason that the world is suffering today, and you as Christians, and that is, uh, it's by design. Sometimes uh, the people of God suffer because uh, it is in the sovereign plan of God. And don't ask me to explain all of that, but nevertheless, uh, God's in control. He knows what He's doing. And and I want to point out some people in the Word of God that God, by His sovereign sovereign design, uh, He brought some difficulties upon them. Have you ever read the book of Job? Have you ever... Uh, found comfort there in Job. Uh, Sometimes the people of God suffer uh, because uh, they have to go through things uh, just like Job did. Job suffered physically because of the plan of God. I know the devil comes along and, and, and he's going to try Job, but God said, have you considered my man Job? Have you seen him and the stand that he's taken? Uh, Job come to the place, he saw no reason to give up. Uh, and uh, he didn't understand why he was going through all of this. Uh, all this come about. Uh, he didn't understand why God is going to take his family away from him. Uh, and just as there has been a Job, there's others out there uh, that are going through some difficulties also. God will reach down into a family sometimes and he'll take a loved one out of that family. Uh, and that family simply doesn't understand uh, why God is doing what he was doing. I remember, I guess, probably one of the first things in my ministry over the years, uh, I was very close to my grandfather, uh, and my grandfather was the first one in our family that I can remember uh, that God just kind of reached down and took him out, and I couldn't understand why. And you stay around long enough, and God will begin to take out of your family also. Um, How many times I've turned to the book of Job and found comfort in my time of need, in my time of going through things uh, that uh, I have to go through. So Job's life was designed by the sovereign will of God. And he knew that there would be people that would need to read the book of Job in this century and find comfort in that time. There's another man in the Word of God uh, that we look at, uh, a man by the name of Joseph. Think about this young man. I really don't know how young he was uh, at this particular time, but he was his father's favorite son. If you've studied that, we know that the father, well, he made a special coat for him. Now, I didn't agree with what the father did. I'm not in agreement with how he showed partiality unto Joseph at that time. And the brothers uh, didn't like what the father was doing. Uh, but they, but the father sewed up a coat of many colors and gave unto his son, showing a little bit of partiality. And if you show partiality in your family, you, the, that one over there is going to understand and going to see that you are showing partiality and they're going to resent you for that. But notice what he did. Here he is. He's a young man. His father says unto him, you got some brothers down yonder that are hungry and they need some food and I want to put this meal together and I want you to go down and I want you to give this food to your brothers. And so he gets all the food together. He goes down, not expecting what's going to take place. He gets down there and here his brothers see him coming and they say, oh, yonder comes that dreamer. Oh, we're going to take vengeance out on him. 
And here comes a caravan of Mesopotamians uh, coming through there, and they said, what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to sell him under them, uh, and going to let them take him far away, uh, and we'll never see him again. Now, you don't see the sovereign will of God in this at this moment of time, and neither did Joseph see the sovereign will of God in this in, at this time. But God brought a famine into the land. And Joseph's father and all of his brethren got very hungry, and they had no food to eat. And so one day, the father, I guess, heard that there was food down in Egypt. God had put Joseph down there to to tell Pharaoh at that time that there's going to be a famine in the land. And what you need to do is uh, you need to put aside for the first seven years, uh, put food back because the next seven years uh, it's going to be a famine in the land and you're going to need that food. So we know that Jacob hears about that and he sends a couple of his boys down there to buy food out of the land. And so they show up one day uh, and it said there that uh, it said that Joseph recognized them, but uh, they did not recognize Joseph at this time. Later on, we'll see why. But they get their food. He asks them, says, um, how is things back there? What about your younger brother? That was, uh, that, that was Joseph's uh, younger brother under him. What about Benjamin? He says, oh, he's all right. How's your daddy? He's doing all right. That's just common conversation that we carry on from time to time when we meet one another. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How's your family doing? We're doing fine. And, and that's the way that it goes. So he loads them up with food and he sends them on their way and they go back to their, uh, uh, go back home and then later on they run out of food again and, and the father's going to send them back down there again. And so they come back down again. And when they get back down there again, it's just too much for Joseph to take. And so they show up. And after a period of time, Joseph reveals himself unto them. Can you imagine here, after all of these years, and we know that Joseph has suffered. He's been in prison for a crime that he did not commit. And he's going through all of this. And so he, he reveals himself unto them, and as he reveals himself unto them, it said there that they feared for their life. Now, if you'd done your brother like that, you'd have feared too. They feared for their life. This is Joseph. So Joseph here is going to make out a deal with Pharaoh and he's going to move his entire family from up here down to, jo down to Egypt. Anybody got any idea how many went down there at the beginning? There was Jacob and his family. There were 70 of them. 70 of them. 400 years later, do you know how many there are going to be? They were very productive. <laughs> About a million and a half plus. One day is going to come out of the land of Egypt. Maybe even two million. We really don't know. But we know here that God tells Joseph here, and you look in Genesis chapter number 45, 
And uh, I thought about reading all eight verses, but I didn't know how much time uh, I would have there. But it tells us there in verse number 5 that, that when Joseph was dealing with his brothers, uh, he said unto them, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, uh, that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Verse 7 said the same thing. And verse 8 says, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and He hath made me a father to Pharaoh. So it was in the sovereign plan of God uh, that God is going to do what He did to Job. Uh, it's in the sovereign plan of God uh, that God is going to do what He's going to do to uh, this man by the name of Joseph. Uh, and then there's a third one in the sovereign plan of God, a man by the name of, the, of, of, of uh, Apostle Paul. Uh, he spent years in prison uh, for being who he was. Uh, he suffered greatly, and yet he knew that his life belonged unto God. Uh, and whatever happened is going to bring glory unto the Lord. Now it's hard to think about this. Uh, but 40 years ago, sovereign will of God moved me to Union County. I didn't see God's will at that time. In fact, I really did not want God's will at that time. I was happy doing what I was doing. I was satisfied. I had purchased my home. I had just remodeled my home. I mean, we had a house, three bedroom, one bath, three girls, and a son. You've got to make a schedule to get everybody through that bathroom. Right? So I come along and remodel this house, uh, and I build a, a big bedroom, uh, a big walk-in closet, uh, another bath and a half, and put on that on that house, uh, and now we're doing good. And God come along and mess things up. Says you need to move. Not me, God, but I needed to move. But note what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 1, 12 and 13, But I will not have you to understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, the things in prison, the many beatings, the shipwreck, and all like that, the many things that's going on to me. He said all this. I want you to understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, every shipwreck, every prison ex uh, experience that he was having, he says, this is all because of the plan of God. Uh, if you remember, it was while Paul was in prison that he wrote many of the books that we have before us that you read and study and preach from today uh, and, and you study in Sunday school. So all of this was happening for the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul finally understood that. There's a third reason why we have disobedience, uh, or a third reason why we suffer, and that's disobedience. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 6. For whom the Lord loveth, what does he do? He chasten us. He ch you know what chasten is, don't you? Yeah. 
He chased us and scourged. You know what scourging is, don't you? You know, uh, my dad built a little house on the bank of the road. And in the front yard of that house was a peach tree. And I didn't know what that tree was for a long time. I didn't know it produced peaches because that's where all the limbs came from that my mother and dad cut to bring into the house for chastening. If you've never had a peach tree limb on you, you don't know what you're missing. And Hebrews 12 and 11 says, Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And in the Scriptures we are reminded that we're not our own, that we've been bought with a price, we've been born again, we've been placed into the family of God, and we're children of God by faith. And there's never been a time that not one of His children somewhere along life's way has not needed correction. Now I look back and I don't ever remember uh, a, a whipping from my mother or my daddy uh, that I enjoyed. I don't. I don't remember one. I do remember one special one uh, that I got uh, that I've always remembered. I had been working and I had saved up my money and I went down to a man by the name of Clyde Bolin, who had a bicycle shop in Decoa, Georgia, and I bought myself a used 24-inch bicycle to ride. And I brought that thing home, and I rode that bicycle. And they were putting this new road in above our house up there, and my dad said unto me one day, he said, now, I don't want you up there where all that equipment is. I don't want you riding your bicycle up there, so don't ride your bicycle up there. And they had these big piles of dirt up, and I'm up there on this bicycle playing Eva Caniva before Eva Caniva ever came along. I jump in those dirt piles. And I remember jumping that, that, that dirt pile to look up and see my dad standing by the dirt pile. I knew he was upset. Now, he didn't whip me right there. He said, take that bicycle to the house and put it in the smokehouse and go to your room. Okay. So I go to my room, and I sat there the rest of Sunday evening. The door opens on Sunday afternoon, and I said, well, this is it. He says, get out here and eat. I went out and ate. He said, go back to your room. I went back to the room. This went on Monday. This went on Tuesday. This went on Wednesday. Maybe he's forgot about it. Thursday, Friday. He remembered on Saturday. <laughs> I didn't want to ride no bicycle. I wasn't able to ride no bicycle. No. I never could figure out why my dad could find out so quickly things that I had done. We didn't even have a party line in our day. Anybody ever had a party line? You don't know what you're missing if you've never had a party line. Because everybody had a party line. 
And everybody knew everybody else's business. But on a party line, when your phone would ring, it meant somebody else down the other phone was ringing, but you're supposed to pick up on a certain ring. But everybody would pick up and everybody would listen one to another and everybody knew everybody else's business. And when I bought my house and I moved in, I was in a, I was on a party line with about five or six other and there was a man up on the hill who had three girls that were dating age and I never could use my phone. And I needed to make a phone call. And I picked it up and they were talking. I picked it up and they were talking. And I picked it up. And after about the third or fourth time, I said, I need to make an important phone call. Can I make a phone call? Oh, did it make them mad? And they wouldn't let me have the phone. Hope, what would you do? <laughs> I went down to the place and I said, come and get this phone. I can't use it. No time can I do. Come and get the phone. And they say, uh, do you have a problem? Yeah. Come got their phone. <laughs> they did. And now they're mad at me because they come got their phone. But there I've seen God's sovereign will. My dad could find out be sure your sins will find you out. My dad bought a new car and I went over to the service station. Dad wanted me to go get some gas and I went over to the service station and got some gas. Straight shift, 289 high pole. Guess what a young 16-year-old is going to do with a 289 high pole uh, straight shift when you leave out from the gas pump? <laughs> Next day, my dad said, what are you doing spending my tires? on my new car. Those first tires didn't last no time on that car, Tommy, for some reason. And it didn't last real good until I had to buy tires. And then it did a little bit better. There's a fourth reason why we suffer, and that's because of development. Uh, developing us as children. Now Nathan and Stephanie is going to make sure that that little girl gets everything that she needs to develop to be what she needs to be. And of course, they've got a grandmother and grandfather there that's going to see that they do that. It's one thing about being grandparents. And that is, Tim, you can take that little girl home with you, but when you get tired of her, you can always send her back home. And you say, I'll never do that. Stay around. As we follow in footsteps, we find ourselves sometimes walking in ways which will have an influence upon our life. I wanted to be like Dad. I wanted to walk like he did. I wanted to play country music like he did. And I did. I didn't want COPD, but they gave it to me. They smoked, and I got COPD. I never smoked. 
So I'm suffering from that today. But I want to be like Him. I want to walk like Him. I even got to where I could talk like Him. I even got to where I could say some words like He did. You know. I remember my mother sometimes getting on to me about saying some of those words and she'd say, where'd you learn that? Well, you know, that's just the way life is. So as we follow in the footsteps, we find ourselves walking in ways that will have an influence upon us, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and so as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I was just thinking about this here the morning as I sit in my study. As we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we follow Him up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And when you follow Him up there, you behold His glory. You see His transfiguration. You see Moses and Elijah coming down, which is a type of a person that's going to have a new glorified body. And when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ through the Mount of Transfiguration, you see Him there and you behold here the glory of God. And then as you follow Him to the Garden of Gethsemane and you see Him as He bows there in that garden and He prays until the Bible says that His sweat became His great drops of blood fall into the ground. And as He does that, we see the grief, we see the sorrow, we see what He's going through in order that He's fixing to go to Golgotha or to Calvary. And when we see Him going to Golgotha, we see the gift that He is going to give unto us there by giving His life as a supreme sacrifice for our sin. And then when we follow Him to the garden tomb, we see Him in His resurrected body. And it tells us in the Word of God that we will have a body likened unto the Son of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Savior's path led home. And so does ours, huh? So the suffering that I'm going through is for the purpose of developing me. It will not harm me, but it will help me be more like Him. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed... Uh, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The last thing that's developing us, distrust. Many times I'm reminded I'm a pilgrim and a stranger on this earth traveling through this walk of life. I'm reminded of what Jesus said unto His disciples. I send you forth as sheep among wolves, and that's where we are today. Paul suffered because of his position in Christ. He was a chosen apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know in the Word of God, it tells us sir, that Paul was a chosen vessel uh, under, under, uh, under the Lord to carry the gospel under the Gentiles. Uh, and uh, you say, well, I don't understand that. Uh, it'd be something like this, uh, Suppose you're here today and you're minding your business. Let's go back about, oh, let's go back 60, 70 years. Let's go back to where people over in maybe some of the foreign countries were still uncivilized. 
And God said unto you, now I want you to go down to the uh, jungles of uh, Africa or where they were at. I want you to go down there and take the gospel unto those people down there. Would you? Would you want to? It'd be a difficult thing. So God tells us here in the Word of God, and I believe many Christians will suffer because of their position in Christ. I know a lot of times uh, over the years I've been tried and uh, people have come along and uh, tried to get me to uh, do something that would somehow or another bring shame and reproach to the ministry. <clears throat> I remember several years ago now, uh, I, I used to pick and sing, and we used to have a, a Christian group, and we used to go to churches and sing, and I used to play the guitar, and they would sing, and all this kind of thing. And I had a good friend of mine. He, he picked and sang good. He's a lot better than I was. And I remember he came to me one day. He said, uh, we're going out on the road. And he said, we'd like to have you come along and make music with us. And uh, he said unto me, he said, uh, what we'll do is, uh, uh, we won't put you out front where everybody can see you. But we'll kind of put you in the back. And nobody will see you back there. You can, just, you can, you can make music with us and, and, and we're going to play some pretty questionable places, you know. But we're going to put you back there. But says, if you want to now, says, uh, at the end of our program when we get done, if you want to, you can step forward and maybe do a gospel song. I'd always wanted to be on the road. I always wanted to make music, make some money and all like that. Boy, I was ready to do that. Until God told me, you can do that, but there'll be consequences that you'll have to go through. So, I didn't do that. And my friend went ahead and played the music, messed up his family, and uh, caused a lot of heartaches. I don't like suffering. I don't like pain. I don't like to go through trials. But God knows what He's doing. I just need to accept Him. Let me close with some verses. Romans 8 and 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, I'm glad He put that there, suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And then don't forget Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now note what it says there. 
If so be that we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Always remember this. Your suffering is nothing compared to what the Lord Jesus went through in order that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yes, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be trials. One of these days, all of us are going to go through the valleys. The valley of death even. And we'll probably mention that next week. But I'm glad that we're here today. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to come and stand. Just share the Word of God for just a moment. I pray that you take what scattering remarks I've made here today and speak to the hearts of thy people. I look out over the congregation and I see people that have gone through a time of suffering. I see people that are going through times of suffering even now. We're reminded this morning as we prayed in our Sunday school class of people that are going through times and trials of life. Lord, I pray here today, if there's one here today that maybe does not know the Lord Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin, the one that can help them in their times of suffering, I pray today will be the day that they come to know Christ. Thank you again for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being uh, there in, our, in, in that very present time that we need you to lead us and guide us and direct us down the path of righteousness. Forgive us of our sins now. Bless the group as they come to sing today. Speak to our hearts. May we go away from here rejoicing in the Lord. We'll thank you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. If you have a need, I'll be right over here.